and welcome back to another installment of Baltimore County Forever Podcast. This is episode, not even fucking sure what episode this is, because I did some shit. But uh, we have the special guest, the host of the Laptop Chronicles, the podcast. We have Aline back in the motherfucking building. Let's go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. What's going on, man? How you been? Good. Living my best life. <laughs> Ain't going back and forth with you. Whatever happened to this thing? Uh, musically, that wasn't a bad song. It was a great song. He's actually had about two or three good records. Now that I think about it, he had one with... Uh, he had the, the pull-up song, which um, uh, uh, RL wrote that. Oh, RL wrote that. Then he had the song with um with Snoop and uh. He did another one after that. What's his name? Uh, Snoop and a nigga from Miami. Excuse me. Damn, I can't think of it. Yeah, he he did have about three songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing how somebody from like the Comic View era is still thriving in the later two thousands. Like even outside of comedy, and I think that's because he's he's mastered social media. I saw a lot of people fall short. So I was I was listening to um an episode with um Dion Cole, and Dion Cole was saying that a reason the the reason that a lot of these um internet comedians don't make it is because like Dion Cole was saying when he was learning to do comedy, he had a lot of the old school comics schooling him on the business. Mm-hmm. So he was like, yeah, if you get on Instagram and you get Instagram famous, you don't know how to move in business rooms. Mm -hmm. You don't know how you don't understand the craft of comedy. Mm -hmm. And I think Duval understood comedy first as a comedian. And then because he's of this generation, he's mastered social media. Mm -hmm. So he knows, okay, I can move in the business circle. And I can move in the social media circle. Mm-hmm. And he put it together. Yeah. You know. Them niggas is not getting in on rooms until it's too late. They don't have no managers, no PR, right. nothing. It's just them answering DMs. Yep. Like, that's it. Oh, I like your, your video. You funny. You want to collaborate. The one thing I can say that they do, they collaborate with each other. Yep. And that's how they... So, like, you have B. Simone, uh, her doing videos with the... Watch Jazzy Girl, or mm-hmm. or her doing the videos with the um the other guy from Atlanta. It's like so they they piggyback off each other, but then it's like, what do you do when there's nobody else to piggyback off? Of? Right. You right. feel me? Like, and you know, I kind of I kind of blame um um Wildin' Out for that. Oh yeah, because Wildin' Out it's a quick you know you you putting your comedy out for a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. But then, and, you know, and then a lot of them dudes, a lot of the people on on Wildin' Out came from the Instagram, from the social media yeah. comedy set, and they don't know how to make it big mm-hmm. because they're not, they haven't been schooled on how to be comics. You, you know, you can't do an eight-minute comedy set mm-hmm. at the comedy club because they don't know how to do comedy. Which, you know, is crazy. Uh, I commend Nick Cannon for actually getting them, mm-hmm. getting them 
when they still like they kind of famous but then they they kind of like not famous mm-hmm. like dc young fly is an amazing talent and he can really rap he makes good music yeah and but what they did is him chico bean and uh carlos, carlos they tour around the world i don't know how many times they've been down uh the um the, the comedy factory yeah the comedy factory i don't yep. god i don't they like yep. two three times a week i mean two two three times a year matter of fact uh chico beans from dc okay so i mean he's i mean obviously he's got to be familiar with the area yeah. and stuff so it's good shit i remember when cap williams was on wild and out yeah he was getting them at a point it's like now it's like you get them you get them early on in their career and then it could blossom from there it's kind of like putting putting more speed on their on their road to the top yeah but some of them don't make it right some of them don't make it they fall to the waistline and like, shit like uh the dude emmanuel hudson is that the guy i think he's still on there he's still he's on stuck what? on there he's right he's stuck on there yep. like i don't he's a he's a he's an internet comedian mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of it's kind of crazy how they they just don't be knowing like when to like cut it off right Right, but um, but that's the that's the whole chasing fame. Yeah, I made you laugh once. I, you know, I'm gonna try and keep doing it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep chasing that high. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's like a drug. Mm-hmm. You know, Hov said it in in the song. You know, it ain't for everybody because they keep chasing that and they'll never get it. Mm-hmm. But you know, as long as we keep giving them the views, they think, oh, okay, I'm I'm good money. Mm-hmm. But then, like you say, they get stuck in that rut mm-hmm. and they can't get out. And then, like they overdo it, then it should become corny. Like it's yep. not even funny no more. It, like, uh, like me and Norm always talk about. Uh, it's the dude that does like these Baltimore niggas be like videos. Yeah. Yep. And it's just like maybe it, for me being from here, it's like all right, yeah, we get it. We get it. Not mm-hmm. every video gotta be about that. I get we sound like that, but now it's like redundant. And um. Man, no one was like, yo, y'all really sound like that, though. And yeah. I get it, but I the way I explained it to him was like, it's like a New York, it's like niggas doing the New York niggas be like, and they wearing the Tims, they dragging their work, and it's just like, they saying son, over the top shit, son, and yo, and all that shit. Like, it's annoying. But it's, it's, it's regionalism. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I went back to Detroit, everybody was like, oh, oh, you coming here from Baltimore? Oh, say something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm Ooh. not from there. <laughs> so, you know, they, oh, I love the accent. And so people, you know, like, um, well, for a while, when I went back in 2014, so even leading up to that, when folks, when I be, when I be in Detroit, folks is like, oh, you, you coming from Baltimore? Oh, man, the wire, the wire, the mm-hmm. wire, because they've never been out here. Just like folks out here was like, oh, you hey, from mom. Detroit? Eight mile, eight mile, eight mile. And I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, eight mile is actually kind of whack. It's just mm-hmm. a street. Mm-hmm. But it's just regionalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, people. We are outside, uh, recording outside this week. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the accent because we're going to start off with some social media topics. So let's talk about Twitter ads or voice memo to the platform. Niggas almost immediately shit on Baltimore people. Like, they. I don't I don't understand like niggas hate but kinda love our accent mm-hmm. which I don't I don't it's like a it's like a toss up. Sometimes they like, ew, y'all niggas sound so disgusting. But then it's like you'll get people further down south 
that fall in love with our with the accent. It's like, damn, yo, say this, say that. Oh, I know where you from. Like, I, I get that shit all the time when I'm out of town. It's like a, a friend of mine went to, um, she's from Georgia, and she said she was out in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And she was ordering, she was at a restaurant ordering food. And the lady was like, say say this, say that, with her southern accent. Mm-hmm. And to her, she was like, you're, you're being over the top. Mm-hmm. But if you've never been out of Arizona, if you've never mm-hmm. been out of Colorado, never been out of Texas, hearing somebody say something from another region is going to be... Matter of fact, I was having this conversation um, with some folks from Honduras who, you know, that's their that's they native, you know, uh, Spanish is a native language. And I didn't realize that I knew Puerto Rican Spanish and Dominican Spanish are different. Yes. But they're kind of, they're, they're very similar. Mm-hmm. But then he was like, yeah, if I talk to somebody from Panama, I can't understand them. If I talk to somebody from Peru, I can't understand them. It's just, it's a, it's a regional cultural thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, Going from Detroit and Chicago kind of sound the same, but if somebody from Detroit to Chicago went to went out to to the Bay, it'd be a totally different set of English. And one of the one of the cats uh, from Honduras, he brought that up. He was like, "Yeah, English to me, you know, sounds different when I go down south. Mm-hmm. When he goes to Texas, and then I was like, you ever been to Louisiana?'" He was oh, like, a lot of accent, though. Right. Like, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Wazam Super. Oh. You know what I'm saying? That's, and, and it's so just a regional, a regional thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a different set of English. And that motherfucking dog, I ain't gonna let his ass in, huh? Bruh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, Damn, nigga. Speaking of Baltimore, they got a Baltimore club, a club, Baltimore club music movie coming. Um, I really don't know too many details on it, but I think it's really dope. I feel like that's a, I feel like Baltimore club music is something that doesn't get enough credit. And then you have niggas from Jersey claiming the genre, mm-hmm. saying that they they made they made it popular. Or they try to say it's like two different two different kinds mm-hmm. of um, club mixing. You have mm-hmm. the Jersey mix, and then you have mm-hmm. you have Jersey club, then you have Baltimore club, and it pretty much sound the same. But you'll talk to a nigga from Jersey; they won't give Baltimore credit for this shit at all. And Baltimore won't give credit to Chicago for house music for house music. Yeah. but how? But people in Chicago won't give Detroit credit. For starting house music. I didn't know it started in Detroit. House music started in Detroit. That's why the Electronic Festival uh-huh. is in Detroit every year. Huh. House music was started by black people in Detroit, went to Chicago, took on a whole nother, whole nother lane. Uh-huh. And then it just, as it migrated, it's like hip hop. Mm-hmm. It's like rap music. You know, we got New York rap. You got West Coast rap. Mm-hmm. You got Miami bass. Everybody took pieces of it and added their own little ah. thing to it. So it's crazy that people want credit. I started this. I started that. Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying no, I, somebody had to had to migrate somehow. Mm-hmm. So somebody heard it and said, well, we, we might do, you know, dun, 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 dun. And then, you know, 
it gets to Jersey and it's that 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 you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just taking your taking what somebody else did and putting the putting another layer on. Similar to uh chopping screw music. Exactly. That's I took the record and I just slowed it down, slowed. played it backwards. I did yep. this, like raised the tempo this way or something like that. Okay, I get it now. Yeah. I had no idea that house music originated in Detroit. Yep, yep, in the seventies, early seventies. Mm. Yep. Um, DJ Frank something. I just, I can't think of right now. Mm. But you know, it's just like you know, if you took if you took Baltimore club music, if you was a DJ from Baltimore and you went out to LA. Mm-hmm. And you play Baltimore club music, you'd probably clear the dance floor because mm-hmm. they're gonna be like, "I don't know what this is. I don't like it." Mm-hmm. But it might take a year or two or five before it comes popular. Because mm-hmm. at one point, Baltimore club music wasn't in Baltimore. Somebody had to bring it here. Yeah. So it's just it's just taking something, putting it somewhere else, and they putting a swag on it. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Um. Have you seen the videos of Mike Tyson? Bruh. Oh my god. Uh what what are your what are your thoughts? I mean, we've all seen Mike Tyson in his prom. Yeah. Seen the videos. Hell, even actually watched any of the fights from fights. the early early nineties, late nineties, yeah. stuff like that. He's about what, fifty two? Fifty two now. So at that age, do you see him having a career? No. No? No. Just I, a one and done kind of fight? I, I, <sighs> I think it, it might be to me it's 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 fake mm-hmm. not 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 fake but it's like a charity event mm-hmm. he's 52 years old the amount of effort and training that a floyd mayweather in his prime a roy jones in his prime even an average boxer in the 90s who might be a contender at some point mm-hmm. is pretty damn good Mm-hmm. They would they would beat the average person on the street, so it takes a lot of training and effort. Yeah. And you know, Mike Tyson is muscle. I think it's muscle memory. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I ain't knocking that hustle at all. You know, even even the little clip that that they show Mike Tyson training in, I couldn't do it. Man, that motherfucker switching, switching crazy. It, like, I feel, I feel for for the guy holding the pads because if yeah. Mike slipped <laughs> and he throw that he throw that overhand right a little too far, mm-hmm. my man is going into next year knocking him out, <laughs> knocking him out. Whole whole body gonna get stiff. <laughs> That's why I said when I move, I want to get a punch. I really want to get into kickboxing. Uh-huh. Like, um, I did karate when I was a, a younger kid yeah. or whatever. But I want to get into kickboxing. I want to get, like, a heavy bag and start, like, I'm going to be out this bitch looking like, get cut like Wiz Khalifa. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. That that happened over the matter of, like, i say about three years or so. Right. Something like that. He got cut the fuck up. And I, he's still a skinny nigga. I, I, I started doing um jujitsu. Um, even, even a little bit of that. Um, even I did it for about two years and even the, the basics that I knew is a hell of a lot of training. So what is it like, what is the focus on? Like, is it core? You really don't need too much muscle because I've been tapped out by this dude. He was 17 and I think I was like 
32. Mm-hmm. And he was like maybe like five eight, five seven, five eight, hundred and seventy pounds. I had him by about ninety pounds, and he tapped me out. Damn. Just because the way he moved, the skill that he knew, um, it, it's all about what you what you feel comfortable doing on the mat. So like me, I like grappling. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I like using force, putting my arm in your neck, choking you out, tapping you out that way. Some people, you know, and then I like to I like to grapple from the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and it teaches you different techniques. So you just some people like to grapple from the top, some people from the side. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, my cousin been doing karate for 30, 35 years. He is he likes to strike from the side. I've seen some people strike from the front. Mm-hmm. It's all about what you what you feel comfortable with. Like, ooh, I like that. I move better this way. Mm-hmm. You just roll with it. I fuck with it, bro. I feel like that's something I would. I told Lauren I I probably get into yoga too. Oh, bro, gotta um, get into yoga. Man. Yeah, like I, I'm I, as I'm getting older, it's like it's stuff I really want to try that mm-hmm. you know I might have shunned when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting like exercising more and walking. Like when she was on the phone riding bikes, stuff mm-hmm. like that, which you can't find a motherfucking bike now. Like these motherfuckers are sold out. These bitches like six hundred dollars on Amazon now. Yeah. Niggas is buying up bikes like crazy. But that's definitely something that I, I'm trying to tell you. Once I get this house, it's like I'm really like the focus is there. It's like it's no excuse because the space is given to me at this mm-hmm. point. So, but um, where are we at now? Let's see. Huh? Irritable male syndrome. Uh, so basically, I was on Twitter, and the conversation was about men mm-hmm. um, having something equivalent to PMSing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, irritable man syndrome uh, (IMS) is a term used to describe the mood swings in men. Irritability in men is often a result of high stress levels and low testosterone, testosterone levels. Some men respond by acting out while others hold these feelings in and become depressed. <laughs> we mentioned before we before we got on air, we talked about it, and I wanted you to hold the conversation till we started recording. Mm-hmm. What can you contribute to this? Have you dealt with this? What what is this? All right. So I heard about this. Man, I might have heard about this maybe 15 years ago. Um I think I was in a grocery store and I saw it on the cover of one of those like Mademoiselle magazine or something and it caught my eye. So basically it's human biology. All right. If you think about what makes a male and a female when, when we're formed, we're, we're all the same. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, through, through the, the beauty of nature, the beauty of science, we have we have more testosterone and less estrogen mm-hmm. that makes us men mm-hmm. whereas you know when you have more estrogen and less testosterone you're a woman mm-hmm. um remember when tiffany haddish when she was like oh y'all you know y'all niggas is bitches y'all be you know y'all let your balls drop da 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 if you think about basic human biology we have the same parts Mm-hmm. They're just form different, mm-hmm. which means that essentially when it comes down to our cell- cellular level, we're the same, mm-hmm. the same 
emotions, the same feelings, the same um, monthly quote unquote cycle. Mm-hmm. We just don't have a way of expelling. We can't make a baby. Yeah. So, so therefore, our body doesn't expel that part of it. What is it? Is a clitoris is no different than a penis. penis, and ovaries are balls. That's it. Yeah. That okay. is literally it. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it like that, the same things that women go through, the the mood swings, you know, during that time, the mood swings, the the high emotions, low emotions, whatever, mm-hmm. it happens in us too. Mm-hmm. But I think because of you know, this this whole men should be men, women should be women. It has never been addressed. Mm-hmm. So when you hear it now, you're kind of like, what? It sounds like a foreign concept when in reality, it's 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 humans. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Is you are you are a human. Therefore, we have the same parallels and how we act and you know react to different situations. Um. And it, it, that's that's how I've always understood it. Mm. So it's not, it's never been surprising to me because I've told somebody I say, yeah, men get periods. Oh, what? Oh man, you sound crazy. Da 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 da. And you know, it's like a, it's like when you when you hear something and you don't know the research or you don't research it. Mm-hmm. And then when you research it, you're like, like for example, you know, black people talking about. The the um nineteen twenty one um Tulsa Oklahoma massacre mm-hmm. you know and um a lot of a lot of people on that show HBO show Watchmen okay. when they dealt when they dealt with that topic you know even it's not taught in Oklahoma history in the in the schools so imagine growing up in Oklahoma and you don't know that this horrendous event happened so then people are like why is HBO talking about that. And then they were like, oh, shit, it really happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, black people were just making a big deal out of HBO just being extra. Oh, shit, it's really in our history books. Oh, shit, the Gap Band made a the song Gap about band it. made a song about <laughs> it. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's like, that's why I love doing research and I love reading about different things because it's like when you hear it on the surface, you're like, ah, oh, man, that shit is crazy. Mm-hmm. You're you just talking out the side of your mouth. You're just making it up. And it sucks that nowadays in our society with Facebook, Instagram, you can put something out there and it may not necessarily be true Mm -hmm. and people are going to latch on to it, whether it's right or not. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, unfortunately, people don't do their due diligence and they don't understand subjects. So the subject of um, men having, quote unquote, PMS is a foreign concept to people because it's been attached, that, that stigma has been attached to women. So we don't think that it happens to us as men, but it does because we are human beings. We just formed a little different Mm -hmm. to go back to what you were saying about um, stuff uh, about the the 1921 bombing in Tulsa. When you were saying it's not too long ago, Mm -hmm. the fact that Emmett Till would have been 79, Mm -hmm. uh, born 1941 was murdered 1955 Mm -hmm. which ironically was the year my mom was born Mm -hmm. like to realize we aren't that far away from real hardcore racism Mm -hmm. and it's just amazing like we was talking about earlier just like in hip-hop like how we are technically old people 
to right. listen to that. But to go back to the Emmett Till, it's like 1940 was literally just around the corner. That was only 80 years ago, mm-hmm. which can be somebody's lifespan. Like mm-hmm. somebody, like my grandmother, like yeah. my grandmother, like yeah. these are people that, oh, I remember when that happened. Yep. I remember in 1955 when this person was murdered. Like he was murdered literally the same year that my mom, my grandmother was giving birth to my mother. And the lady who accused him, of, uh-huh. she just passed away um, about within three the last, about three years ago. Uh-huh. And on her deathbed, she admitted that she lied. So terrible. We, we see this. So this woman had kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, the, the generation after her, mm-hmm. which would be the generation older than us mm-hmm. in their 50s and 60s. So whatever she was taught, she taught them. Uh-huh. They're teaching their kids who would be our age. So, you know, that's how you get these people who get into this. They don't understand, you know, why those people are rioting. Uh-huh. Why, what, I, you know, like, for example, now, now the video is the lady flicked off a guy. Oh, I seen that. And I she, have a black husband. <laughs> I have, you know what I'm saying? And and it's like, you know, the issue of race. The fact that we're still dealing with the issue of racism shows you just how ingrained shit like that is. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, in Mississippi, um, there's there's a there's a um, place. It's called the Devil's Punch Bowl, and it was it was a mass murder of hundreds of slaves and they were or they might not have been slaves they might have been sharecroppers but they were dumped into this field and it was just mowed over and trees were planted and the trees grew peach trees grew the people will not eat the peaches because they know what fertilized the land and what fertilized the land was literally the blood the skin the the human beings that look like you and look like me and they're actual peach trees um ladanian tomlinson the from the chargers yeah yeah he where his family is from in texas um there's a part of town that was part of the plantation and there's a tree where they hung people where they lynched black people and the people of this town, the black people will not go in that area because they know the history. Um, my my grandfather was born in North Carolina, in Statesville, North, North Carolina, and he left. And growing up, you know, he would tell my dad, my uncles and them, and, you know, would tell us, he was like, I ain't never going back down there. Mm-hmm. So I learned the history of where he was from. And my grandfather was born in 1914 which means that my great grandparents were born in the 18 they were born in the 1880s my grandfather's grandmother was a slave and because they really didn't have anywhere to go they lived on the same plantation my grandfather was born on the same plantation where his grandmother his grandfather was a slave so my grandfather, when he got the first chance to go, he was like, fuck y'all, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And he left, and he never went back. So think about that trauma of living on the same land 
where your grandparents had to, you know, pick cotton, pick tobacco, mm -hmm. you know, they got wood, they got sold, they got, you know what I'm saying? All of this stuff. And that's why I like the Juneteenth celebrations. I'm glad it's becoming more, yes. you know, because people are starting to understand our, our history, but it's not, I'm talking about my grandfather, mm -hmm. a man who I talked to, a man who used to, you know, I remember him smoking cigars in the house, knowing that he, he looked at somebody who was a slave. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and when you think about, and we're talking about, so me, my dad, my grandfather, so that's three generations. Mm -hmm. His parents, his, so that would be my great-great-grandparents was a slave. That's only five generations, bro. And that's you at, at 40 are able to say that. Mm -hmm. That's that's insane. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's insane, bro. Yeah. When you when you go back and look at your history, man, like I was I was going through this was this was about maybe fifteen years ago. I was looking at um ancestry.com. Mm -hmm. This was before they kinda kinda changed it up. But I'm going back and I got to, I knew my grandfather and I, I found his name, I mean his parents' name, and then I found my great great grandmother's name, right? All in the census records. So in 1870, I'm, I got back to 1870 and then it just stopped. And I was lost for a second. Like, damn, how do I, you know, I don't know where to go. Like, it's, this is weird. But think about it like this. Before, okay, so they take the census every 10 years. We were technically free in 1865, mm -hmm. which means in 1860, we should have been on the census records as people, right? Mm -hmm. But black people weren't considered people. We were considered, we were considered property. Uh... So when you go back to your history, when, you, when you're tracing your family name prior to 1870, it switches from the census records to the property records. So That's you insane. have to look on the property records and it will say um, five cattle, uh, 14 slaves, um, two, two barns. We were actually considered property. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? It is when you, when you, break history down like that mm -hmm. it really puts it in perspective and that's what i wish more people would understand is that i think i think people would have more of a more of an appreciation for their history and for the history of people of african descent mm -hmm. not just black americans but black canadians jamaicans brazilians colombians Dominicans, Haitian, that's a whole nother subject. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think people would, would have more appreciation to say, damn, we really have been broken down mm -hmm. as a whole. Shit. I, 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 I definitely am interested in doing like ancestry stuff. But I think my brother has done it. Um, and uh, he, I think on there, he ended up finding our great-grandmother's marriage certificate, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, that's cool because, I mean, my my grandma Betsy, I think she passed at like 90-something. Oh, mm -hmm. she might have been 100. 
She might have been 100. I'm not too sure. She passed not too long ago. But to think about that, it's like her mother might have been a slave. Mm-hmm. And I, that that does make a lot of sense. I actually not think about. I'm gonna ask my dad when I get when I get in the house. Now it's different now, ancestry that because so many people, especially Black Americans, we're like, yo, 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 where's our history? Mm-hmm. Like y'all, you know. You can, you can, you know, a person, a white person can say, oh yeah, my grandmother, my grand, my greats came through Ellis Island from this town in Ireland or this town in Germany or, you know, this place in China or Japan or whatever. We can't do that. So Ancestry and Genealogy.com and all these other sites have modernized their way of connecting people to say uh, maybe we have been a little exclusive in how we get our our information out so that's why you have um africanancestry.com or people who were doing the 23 and me um which to me i think in some respects is bullshit um it's almost like making shit up because how you gonna tell me that i'm 14% West African, mm-hmm. 23% Central African, when in all reality, yeah, you can use DNA to kind of match stuff up, mm-hmm. but that still doesn't tell me, it still doesn't tell us mm-hmm. where we're from. Yeah, the origin, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's crazy is a lot of, a lot of first-generation Africans African immigrants to this country. Like I used to work with a cat from uh, Cameroon. Mm-hmm. He didn't understand. Um, like his thing was why are black people so angry? And you know, I told him, I, I, I said, bro, we don't have a history. We don't have a definitive history prior to being on slave ships. Our history has literally been erased. Um, because we were not considered people. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's crazy is, man, we, we think that as black Americans, we kind of, for lack of a better term, we own blackness. You know what I'm saying? Brazil has more black people than anywhere in the Western Hemisphere. Really? Yeah. Because in Brazil, because if you think about the map, the tip of Brazil is close to Africa. Mm-hmm. So most of the slave ships were actually going to Brazil first. Um, I think they were getting something like they got, uh, I want to say it was in the double digit millions of slaves versus like 200,000 were coming to the, the colonies mm-hmm. in the early states. So, and it was done that way because Brazil is closer to Africa. Um, it's The weather is different. So imagine you working in a in a sugarcane field in Brazil, it's hot as fuck. You you know and the and the plantation owner and the slave owners and the overseers didn't care if ten slaves dropped dead because oh I know that tomorrow there's gonna be a boat with a hundred more slaves, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna get fifty of them, and if those fifty drop, so what? There's another ship tomorrow with another two hundred, so. Brazil actually has more black people than outside of Africa. Um, just like when I went to Colombia, I went to the North Coast, um, which is primarily 
black. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, have you been to Brazil? I haven't been to Brazil yet. Okay, all right. Um, but I've been to Colombia. And in Colombia, they thought I was Colombian because I looked like everybody else. I just didn't speak Spanish. And so, you know, it, it that's why I, I kind of always talk about the red, black, and green and what Marcus Garvey wanted for us as a people. Mm-hmm. Because he, you know, one of the things he preached was, you know, we're, we're all sons and daughters of Africa. No matter if you're Jamaican, if you're, um, you know, Canadian, if you're Mexican, you are a, a, a child of Africa. Let's go back home. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. That's that's what Pan-Africanism is, is realizing that, you know, somebody from Honduras may speak Spanish, but they look like you and me. Still my brother. So still my still my brother. So when did you first discover pan is pan pan Africanism? Um, let me see. It would have to be when I was about. 15, 14 and 15, 14, because um, I had a friend in high school who was Panamanian, mm-hmm. so he was fair-skinned with straight hair. His mom was brown-skinned. She was very, very light brown, but one day I saw his dad. His dad was like Wesley Snipes black, like dark as shit, and I thought it was his stepdad, because I'm like, there's no way that this dark-skinned guy is his dad. Then one day I heard his dad speaking Spanish fluently. And then he started talking in English with an accent. And it threw me off. And then that's when I kind of kind of learned or kind of realized that, um, you know, black people are all over the place. Mm-hmm. We're in Panama. We're in, and then, so then what I learned, because I got, I got a homie now from, from Panama and they don't, they they don't experience racism like we do in this country. Um, but I went to Panama. I went with him, and we took a trip to the Panama Canal. Which if you if you get a chance to go, man, it's most one of the most amazing things you ever fucking see. But they told the history of the Panama Canal, and what happened was when the U.S. took over the Panama Canal, they, Im- I won't say import, but they brought over a lot of Jamaicans. And so the Jamaican people that immigrated into Panama stayed. And that's where a lot of, they, they stayed to dig up the canal. Because mm. um, the canal is huge. It's actually, it's the, one that, the one that you see is just one lock. It's just one, one set of locks where the ships go up and down. There's eight of them across the entire country of Panama. Really? Uh, six or eight of them. Yeah. It's huge. That's why the Panama Canal is such an important thing. It's like a port. For it's the, a, yeah, that's the... Uh, it gets you from the Atlantic side to the Pacific yeah. side without going all the way around the tip of South America. So um, that's how the Jamaican population or the, the Panamanian population got quote unquote darkened <laughs> mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Um 
And so when you think about it like that, man, you realize that the same problems we have in Baltimore are the same problems people have in Oakland, are the same problems people have in Dallas, are the same problems people have in Mexico, the same problems people have in Costa Rica. So that's what Pan-Africanism is, is realizing that, you know, we, we have... We have different cultures, different languages, um, but what makes my skin brown, makes your skin brown, makes my homeboy from Panama, makes his skin brown. Um, that's why I'm, I, you know, down there in Colombia, they was like, you're not Colombian? They were surprised because I look like everybody else. And you realize, like, damn, they're dealing with poverty. They're dealing with uh, a lack of resources from the government. Um, they you know, the things that are, you know, like here here in the States, they, they keep, you know, they put in some projects. Like Jay-Z said, you know you know why they call a project a project? Because it's a project. Only as objects. You know, so you get the 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 um the poverty, the extreme poverty in Haiti. You know, um and then in Haiti they've got to deal with the racism issue from the other side of the island. Mm-hmm. With with DR, mm-hmm. you know, Dominicans can be dark as shit, and they'll be like, "Oh no, no, I know black, I know black." Mm-hmm. You know, you're soy Dominicano. It's like, huh? What, bro? Like David Ortiz. Mm-hmm. David Ortiz looked like he from Kansas City, mm-hmm. but he's like, "No, no, 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 I'm Dominican." You know what I'm saying? Um, but it's been ingrained in them that. Like I, I just got I just got my shirt in the mail, the one that that uh three thousand wore that big crit wore. Across cultures, darker people suffer the most. Why? And when you think about it, the 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 darkest people across the planet have had it the hardest. You know, we you look at Africa. You know what? Um. You know, you know, like people talk about what Hitler did, but King Leopold from Belgium. Mm-hmm killed over 50 million Africans. He literally cut the population of the Congo in half. And it was pure genocide. You know what I'm saying? Um, there's a there's a picture of a man who's sitting there looking at the feet and hands of his kids that were chopped off because he didn't pick enough rubber that day. Um, mutilated. You know what I'm saying? And it's all been rooted in European colonial supremacy, which is what they uphold today. You know, um, but that's what Pan-Africanism is, is, is trying to get us back to our roots. You know, um, like, like you, you know, you hear, I think people in Ghana, you know, the president of Ghana, people in Ghana are like, yo, come home, come home come back to Africa uh, as much as you know which if if black American I put it to you like this there's always been this you know go back to Africa you know if you don't like here go back to Africa um but when Marcus Garvey said hey all right cool we leave it I got ships I got I got everything ready to go the U.S. was like mm, wait a minute no 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 and they locked him up and deported him 
So a lot of this rhetoric, man, is just it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, but I can talk about that shit all day. <laughs> uh, I switch it to a little bit of something like the entertainment was going on. A couple yeah. of movies. Have you seen the uh, the Five Bloods? Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Um, I like where Spike Lee's heart is. Yes. His heart is in a very good place because he is... All right, so my problem... I knew I knew the movie was going to be problematic because of the way that he did Miracle at St. Anna. Okay. That movie was about um, black soldiers in World War II. And at some point, Spike Lee's movies always make a weird right turn. Um, but he and I feel like I feel like Spike Lee made that movie in response to um, saving saving Private Ryan. Okay, yeah, it gives me those vibes. Because if you if you watch if you watch World War Two movies. You, the only ones that they talk about black soldiers are the Tuskegee Airmen. Mm-hmm. And they made Red Tails, which was, I don't know what the fuck that, that was. That was a Disney movie, that wasn't it? Pretty much. George Lucas made it. But it was so, it didn't have the same production value. It didn't have the same energy that um, Steven Spielberg got from uh, Saving Private Ryan. From that, you know, Clint Eastwood, he put that energy into... Um, uh, the movie with Thin, Thin Red Line. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We don't get that same reverence with our people. Um, if you let them tell it, the only black people who served in World War II were the Tuskegee Airmen. Mm-hmm. Not my grandfather, who was a master sergeant in a tank unit going across Africa and up into Italy fighting Nazis. Mm-hmm. You don't hear about those tank units. You don't hear about... Um, my 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 grandmother's sister who was like the the rosie the riveter you know you know the lady holding holding her arm up you know Mm -hmm. be be strong the original rosie the riveter was a black woman my my grandmother's sister worked in a b-52 plant in ypsilanti michigan um building airplanes in world war ii really with uh that whole work workforce was black women you don't hear about that so, I get what Spike Lee was doing. Mm-hmm. I get what he, he's trying to say. Hey, um, you know, there were black soldiers in Vietnam. They weren't just coming back home and robbing banks with paint on their face. <laughs> Dead president. Dead president. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. They had to deal with racism. They had to deal with, um, you know, I mean, Muhammad Ali. You know, he... Oh, he has to be drafted, da 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 da, you know. And he dealt with that via ostracized, not yeah, ostracized, because he said they called him Cassius Clay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's something that black soldiers had to deal with that is not talked about. So, I get what Spike Lee was doing. Um, it felt kind of rushed. It it felt rushed. And it was two hours and 35 fucking minutes, and it could have been an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. They drugged the shit out crazy. I didn't like how when they uh, 
So basically, um, for anybody that hasn't seen it, the movie's about them going back to find the remains of their their sergeant mm -hmm. and finding gold that was buried. Mm -hmm. Now, when they when they have those uh, flashbacks, flashbacks, they use the same niggas from the, the time, so they all look old, but. In the 60s. Uh, but the sergeant, which was um, Chadwick Boseman, yeah, which made no fucking sense. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there like, why wouldn't you? If we're talking about us doing this 40, 50 years ago, you need to. Yes, like, bro, they weren't that same age. Like, but did you know my dad actually pointed it out that the characters were named after the Temptations? Oh shit! Yep. Did wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, which is 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 dope when you think about it, because it's like, yo, it really was. Like, yeah. it was it wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't a great movie. Right. Like you said, you know where it's hard is to be honest. I didn't even know Spike Lee still made movies. I ain't gonna mm -hmm. hold you. And I and I was looking at this shit like, initially I was like two hours and thirty five minutes. How the fuck am I gonna watch this? And I sat and watched the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Like it doesn't it, feel like two hours. It doesn't. And that's another reason why I'm like. I, I described it today as a bad attempt of him doing a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, it could have came off better. And as bad as this might sound, you can tell somebody black was behind this. Because mm -hmm. in a sense, it was kind of like half-assed. Like more, more of it could have, you could have put more into this strategized it better mm -hmm. it, that, and it sounds horrible to say but it just it's that's the truth just like miracle of saint anna okay the exact same that same thing you said is how i feel about miracle of saint anna mm. it felt rushed it felt half-assed um great storyline mm -hmm. but with him behind it it's like dude uh i kind of feel like <laughs> i feel like spike lee is the Tyler Perry of contemporary movies. Yeah. He's he's pigeonholed. Now, here's the crazy part. Have you seen the movie See You Tomorrow or See You Yesterday mm -mm. on Netflix? Please watch it. Please See watch you it. Yesterday? See You Yesterday. Um, he did that movie. It's about um, two teenagers in New York and they build a time machine. And one and the girl her older brother gets shot by the police so she tries to go back in time mm -hmm. to change events but every time she goes back something else happens it's a great movie man and he did that one um and he did inside man which is one of my i did see that bro that movie is phenomenal mm -hmm. uh sidebar they said denzel and samuel jackson was originally slated to play in the uh, Five Bloods. Oh, it's almost time to wrap up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they said they initially was supposed to be slated in to be in that. That, that would have made it a bigger budget. I think. I think he was kind of limited. Mm -hmm. And plus, um, yeah, it just it was just way too rushed. I feel like something like that. The requirements, the requirements are are bigger than because now you have. You have actors like that that require the stuff to be done correctly mm -hmm. because it could easily be like, oh well, Quentin Tarantino wouldn't have this shit going on like this, right? Like it would have been more professional. Mm -hmm. It just it was it was a it was 
just that, just a good enough movie. Mm-hmm. Like it was just there. Like it was enough to say it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Right. It was a, it was initially too fucking long, but the storyline was good. It was a Netflix movie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it was. That was it. That's exactly what it was. Exactly what it was. Yeah. Like. Uh, yeah. Let's see where we at now. Eddie Winslow plays James Brown oh, in the season two God. of Tom Cordelia's series, oh, American man. Soul. BET, BET in it. Oh, and BET, BET in it. First of all, this nigga is 6'2". Something crazy like that. That nigga's well over six feet. James Brown was like 5'4". 5'5". Five, 5'7 five, five, at most. That shit is so bad. Why the fuck did they... What, y'all couldn't cast nobody else dark skin? So it's, bad. So bad. Have you watched the uh the series though? Uh, I think I watched. I'll admit I watched the first episode and then I lost track of it. Uh huh. Um, but my homeboy, uh, he told me he was like he watched the whole thing. He said, "Dude, you gotta watch it." I heard it was really good. Yeah, yeah. I heard it was so really I'm, good. I'm gonna go back and watch it. But yeah, when I saw that picture of Eddie Winslow, Darius McRae. I was just like, oh my God. What the fuck is This going is on? like Flex Alexander. <laughs> Boy, they powdered that nigga face up. I'll never forgive him for that shit, bro. Bruh. How dare you? How fucking dare you? And I think even he knew, like, I fucked up. Like, nigga, that money had to be right. It's like. Yeah, checks still clear. Yeah. <laughs> Yo. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, that's pretty much it, man. We kind of. I like I like this. The new format is gonna be better. We we you know what? We might have to do a part two. Probably, I could probably get a part two uh oh, yeah. for the music side of things. So we got a lot more to talk about. But uh any shout outs, give them an update on the brand, the podcast. How's it going? Uh first off, man, shout out to Kristen. Thank you for coming through. Big dog, big goo Um next episode will probably be out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um I got half of it done. Um Got to put a little, little bit of, you know, a little bit more onto it. Um, I'll be honest, man. I, I'll be me, me and Kristen. Um, I was telling her when you came over a couple weeks ago how how you felt like everything that's going on. Like you didn't know what to say, mm-hmm. and I, I've been feeling that way. Like I don't know what to say. Like I, I talk about this thing, mm-hmm. but. You know what I'm saying? We watched a man die mm-hmm. on camera. We watched him literally take his last breath for nine minutes. We watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that Breonna Taylor was asleep, came home from work, probably had plans two to get jobs. up. Two jobs. Had plans the next day to get up, go grocery shopping or something, mm-hmm. and the cops came in and murdered her, and nothing has happened. And it's like, how can you go forward? How can you talk about, we you know what you talk about, what I talk about when this shit is happening. Yeah. And so I kind of been in a rut, man. Um, you know, but I think if we just use our platforms, man, to keep keep talking to the people, because things are happening mm-hmm. in, in government. But, um, yeah, it's been slow, man. I, I'm going to try and switch it up to once a week uh, episodes. Because I'm I'm starting to find, I'm starting to realize, you know, you just come with ideas more. Yeah. And more. So, you know, I, I'm going to try and, you know, beef, beef it up to once a week mm-hmm. um, episodes. Um, other than that, man, you know, just been living life. You know, keep trying to keep my head above water. Before we started recording, I did see in Atlanta, they uh, indicted the guys. Yeah. They they indicted them on like nine charges. Right. Um, three of the guys. 
My thing is, yeah, they got indicted, but will they get convicted? Step by step. You know, the guys in, in you know, those cops in Louisville, mm-hmm. they got fired, mm-hmm. but nothing else is happening. You know, and I read the, I read, you know, how they, um, what they did to Breonna Taylor's mother. Oh, my telling God. Telling her, oh, yeah, she's at the hospital, knowing the whole time that she was gone. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the... Questioning the boyfriend. Right. Set, trying to set him up, lying to the mother, like... And then putting on the report she had no injuries, mm-hmm. you know, and, and trying to doctor up the, the, the death certificate, things like that. And it's like, you realize, man, that some of these cops, man, they, they fucking hate us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hate us at every turn. And, um, you know, I mean, like, like I said before, at 12 years old, I watched Rodney King get beat and I'm thinking to myself, there's no way that these cops are going to get away with it, but they did. And there's a couple of documentaries on, I saw them on Hulu and they might be on Netflix talking about the 92 uprising. Mm-hmm. And I, and I understand why, if you can't understand why people are pissed off. Why people are are yanking down Confederate statues, yank all them shits down. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They giving people ten years for that too. Yeah. They giving people ten years for bringing down them statues, but it's like y'all don't want to do y'all jobs. Let us do it for you. And that's it, man. Four hundred, four hundred, um, soldiers from the from the D.C. National Guard have been activated to guard the Confederate statues. It's like, oh, that's you know, but but at least we got we got Martin Luther King Day, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, 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 man. I'm, I'm I'm gonna try and beef up, man. Beef up the episodes, man. I I think I I, I can. I got a lot to say, man. Mm-hmm. Just I've been I've been trying to do it in spurts, mm-hmm. but I think I think now I realize um, that even though I was like, ah, oh, this is a this is a cliche niche. It's not true. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna try and uh, it's our reality, so our yeah. history. Yeah, yeah. You so know, I'm I'm, I'm I'm gonna step it up. More more episodes coming. Yes, sir. Uh, let's see. Shout out to Norm. Go stream Norm. The Norm. Uh, go stream Norm's new album, The Regular Show. He has at least I think three videos out. He just put out a, a video for relief. Um, shout out to Sis Stacy. Uh. She's doing wonderful. She just recently was protesting out in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to get her on sometime within the next week so we could really sit and talk to her about like the protest and how it came about and yeah. how she, how she got to that that point and what made her want to actually get out there and protest herself. Um, I let's went down see. to Annapolis and, and and went marching with the folks. Really? Yeah. Damn, yeah. that's tight. Um, and it was it was it was cool. You know what I'm saying? It was it was really cool, man, and to see to see people, white people, mm-hmm. go hard. Like, yo, this shit's fucked up. You know what I'm yeah. saying? They was going hard. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, they out. They out. Yeah, so shout out to Norm, shout out to Stacey, shout out to Coach Class Podcast, shout out to 420 Wrap Up Podcast. I gotta get both of those guys, or well, all three of those guys on. I really gotta get that done before the summer's out. I got an idea. I kind of want to do something for the week of my birthday. Um, shout out to Lawn Shit Vegans. Shout out to Pre, it's Predestined the Podcast. 
Uh, anybody else I'm forgetting? Shout out to everybody. God loves you, and I do too. Baltimore County forever.